Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Um, every, every year what we've been trying to get accustomed to doing is, is, is creating a space for different voices within our community. And so um, as, as we lean in on this Sunday within July, what, what, I, what we want to do is we want to continue to nurture and to grow those gifts that people have within our space. And so we wanted to create a, a seven-minute message. So this is, we want you to lean into this. So we have three different um, speakers. So we're going to have uh, Kevin. Yeah. And we're going to have Marlene. Come on. And then, and then Carolina. Caro. So, so what we're going to do is, and, and, and I want you to keep them accountable to this. Okay, so they, they have seven minutes to share the word of God. <laughs> so, so each get, have seven minutes, and so they're just going to come up consecutively. Kevin's going to be first. He's going to give his message. He's going to share what he's talking about, and it's, and it's based around the fruit of the Spirit. And remember, that the, the fruit is, is encompassing, and it has different qualities to the fruit of the spirit, right? So they're going to give a share and a talk on one of them. And I just encourage you to lean in, to shout them down, to encourage them. And um, so first up is we have Kevin. So come on, Kevin. Come on up, brother. Um, As you guys know, Kevin and Marlene are elders within our community. Uh, They bring the spiritual sense of of, of speaking into the life of decisions we make, of prayer, and and there's an accountability there. So I no longer can make just all the decisions, and that's a good thing, right? So we have trusted uh, a beautiful couple, Kevin and Marlene. We have Maddie and Brendan, um, but Kevin and Marlene are going to share today. And then we have Gato, which she leads our worship experience, the worship moments and the encounter. So let's give it up for Kevin. Come on, brother. Before we start the timer, let me pray. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would just lead and guide this, this talk, Lord, for all of us, Lord, that you would direct us and you would give us the words to speak. Holy Spirit, just have your way. Fill our hearts. Fill the hearts that are here. I pray for knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, and I just pray, Lord, that you would move, and it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> all right. So as we begin our talks in the fruits of the Spirit, I want to talk to you guys about developing faithfulness. In Hebrews 11.1, it says, Now faithfulness, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Now faithfulness reminds me of the old saying, practice makes perfect. And I say that because I think of a person that I live with that, puts a lot of work into what he does every single, every single day that he wakes up in the morning. My son Caleb, he, he's in uh, cross country and track, and he wakes up very early in the morning to run sometimes 12 miles, um, puts in extra work on his own, PM runs, he runs at nighttime, um, working out, doing different things like that. The consistency he is with his sport He wouldn't be where he's at today if he didn't put in that consistency and that work. Imagine, how much closer would the Lord be with us if we live with that type of consistency in our own lives? If we woke up early 
for the Lord, if we stayed up late for the Lord, if we poured in just coming into church and, and, and spending that extra time, God is faithful, which allows us to be faithful. Faithfulness is a characteristic. So it means it's something that's developed. It's something that's grown. It's something that we have to work at, to grow at, to, to spiritually grow at. It's like a plant. God is the ultimate example of faithfulness with Jesus. In John 15, verse 4, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. To abide is to endure without holding back. To continue in a place to remain stable. So you're grounded. You're rooted. Your, your feet are planted and you're, you remain consistent. And through this consistency, we build that faithfulness. Pastor Jensen said it best. He said, God isn't, is not impressed with your talent. Because there's a lot of people that have talent. He could give talent to whoever he wants. But God is not impressed with your talent. He is moved by your faithfulness. And your faithfulness matters to God. In Galatians 1.10, Paul said it best. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Faithfulness is not about the recognition of being up here, of preaching God's word. It's faithful in the little things that, you're not, that don't get noticed. Good example of that, I don't see him right now, but Bill. Shout out to Bill. Faithfulness is being here when there's a worship night, when there's a prayer night. Last week we had a barbecue. Did you guys go to it? <laughs> coin crews I mean we have pickleball we have basketball we have a men's and women's group are you a part of it are you showing up to these things faithfulness is not just being here because you're serving faithfulness is being here day in and day out when we have something going on let me ask you a question outside of coin where's your faithfulness with God Let's take away the building, the serving, and it's just you alone with God. It's in that prayer time. It's when we read and study God's word, study God's word, not just read it and go through it. It's, and it's without being asked, you know? It's not just like putting messages together and it's, no, it's, it's being in God's word day in and day out. It's about getting into that secret place where you're alone with God and reaching God. God's word said it best in Hebrews 11, where there's men and women that are just lifted up and accoladed, where they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're noticed for their faithfulness, and they're conquering it and striving towards it. Like Joseph, Joseph is a good example of this. Joseph was given a dream. Joseph told the dream to his, to his parents. He told the, the dream to his to his brothers, and they hated him for it. They wanted to kill him. And what ended up happening was they sold him into slavery. Long story short, let's paraphrase it. He ended up in jail. He 
He was accused of rape. He was ended up in jail. And just when it seemed like Joseph was at his end, God moved. God found him in there. He lifted him up, and he moved him into the position just like in his dream that he was going to be a leader. He was second in command to Pharaoh, and God had his way. If your situation isn't good yet, then God isn't done with you. In Romans 8.28, if we know that all things good work good, all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Faithfulness is our trust in God. It's confidence of the unknown, just like in Joseph. It's, it's the middle area. We know Joseph knew point A, and he knew point B. He knew that he was going to get somewhere eventually. But it was that middle area where God prepped him, and he built him, and when it was time for God to move, he was that leader that he was called to be. And as I close, a pastor once told me, you change the world by changing the world around you. What that means is you affect those that are closest to you. So it could be the person sitting next to you. It could be a child. It could be whoever, whoever's closest to you. And lastly, faithfulness displays the development of a person's character as they're transformed by the image of Christ. Good morning. Okay, that was so good. I'm like so pumped. Let's go. I'm going to jump right in. (laughs) We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 22. And it reads, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. As I was reading this, I was reminded of a conversation that I had with somebody and somebody I didn't really know. They just happened to be helping me. And they were telling me about a family that they had previously encountered who was a Christian family uh, where their son was on their death, his deathbed. And I guess they were pleading for God in those moments for God to save their son. And the person I was speaking to happened to start mocking them. And then he proceeds to start mocking God. And I'm sitting there like, oh, Lord, what do I do? Like, how do I get out of this situation? Um, Naturally, my flesh wanted to speak up and, you know, join in on that conversation. And I was prompted in my spirit to not say anything, to restrain, to show self-control over my flesh. And at the time, I didn't know why. Um, And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to go with it. And later on, I find out that that person I was talking to ended up being a parent to one of my son's friends. And I was like, thank the Lord that I did not (laughs) say anything that I would have regretted, right? He knows better. Uh, So you might be thinking, how do we grow in this, right? How do we mature to show that restraint over our flesh? Well, if we look at verse 22, it tells us that is a presence of the Holy Spirit in us, which allows us to have these fruits, right? And to grow and mature in them. And we know that the presence of the Holy Spirit in us is what allows us to call God the Father, right, ultimately. And there's one thing that he wants to do in us, and that's magnify God. He wants to do that in and through each and every one of us, producing his fruit in us. 
So how do we grow in this, right? We have to crucify our flesh. Verse 24 tells us that those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with a simple nature and passions and appetites. I once heard self-control described as the ability to recognize and choose the important things over the urgent things because our desires are properly ordered. And I was like, wow, that's, that's it right there. Uh, and so just like the Spirit prompted me, right, to display control over my flesh because he knew better. Proverbs 25, 28 tells us, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control, right? So it gives us this image of these ancient cities, their primary defense were the walls right around it that surrounded them and it protect them, right, from attacks from the enemy. So without good walls, a city was left vulnerable and open to these attacks the way that we are to temptation, um, now, the walls didn't make the city invincible, but it helped in its defense ability, right, to be able to fight. Um, scripture tells us that we, if we have no control over our spirit, we are left unprotected. Sorry, guys, this isn't as fun as Kevin's, okay? So we have to have the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have to die to our flesh daily, and then we have to walk in the Spirit. Verse 25 says, if we claim to live by the Spirit, we must also walk in the Spirit. With personal integrity, godly character, moral courage, our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need our conduct to be empowered right every day by the Spirit. Earlier in Galatians, Paul says to walk habitually in the spirit, to seek him and be responsive to his guidance. Then you will certainly not carry out the desires of the sinful nature. The Bible tells us if we seek him, that we will find him. It is a promise that he gives to us that to press in, right? That's a daily habit that we're going to make to press in, to seek him, that will eventually turn into a longing for more of him. We will want to be with him. We will want to display these fruits right over our lives. Um, so that way he can produce a response in us that is Christ-like and not self-like. So my prayer is that we would all desire to grow in self-control, to grow in all the fruits, right? Uh, because I believe that many of us have no idea or we've been walking this path a long time, we forget how greatly God could use us if we are walking fully in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's all I got for you guys. Don't start yet, Maggie. <laughs> Hold on. Ah! Okay, so I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians 13 if you guys want to open up there. Um, and the last verse in that chapter says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So, like we said before, the theme for this Sunday is fruits of the Spirit. And we each chose to do one of the fruits, and the one that I chose to do is love. And now let me tell you, speaking about love is not simple. I by no means plan to dissect the word or give a full rendering of, like, the history and all that stuff. But because we could literally be here forever if I did that. 
But the thing is, love is heavy, and it's a complex concept. According to John 3.16, it's the reason that Jesus died. According to Romans 13.10, it's what fulfills the law that had previously separated us from God and his holiness. It is who and what God is. And as I sat down to begin to write this, I was immediately attacked and just so convicted. Attacked because thoughts questioning my validity came up, like, why are you doing this? Who gives you the right to do this? Convicted because as I sat down to write this, my little sister, Valeria, which I don't know if if you all don't know who that is, and um, conveniently, she's not here today, but... (laughs) She was asking me to do the dishes, and as I sat down to begin to write this, that meant to her that I wasn't going to do it. And frustration came upon both of us, and to put it nicely, we talked back and forth. And um, a small voice, as the Lord does sometimes, came and asked me a simple but conviction-ridden question, was that loving? My goal today is to give a little understanding to what love means, not based on what culture says, not based on how we think we receive or give love, not based on the love that, but based on the love that, that made Jesus come down from heaven and die on a cross for. So we're going to start with the love verse, right? First Corinthians chapter 13 says, and I'm going to read the amplified version. It says, if I speak in tongues, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but not, have not love for others growing out of God's love for me, then I have become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, just a noisy distraction. And if I have the gift of prophecy and speak a new message from God to the people and understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have all sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it does me no good at all. Verse 4 says, love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful. It is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag. It is not, it is not proud. It's not arrogant. And so on and so forth. If you want to read the rest of it, it's on you. Um, So I'm a visual person, and oftentimes I need a tangible representation of things to, like, fully grasp them. Kinesthetic, for those of my teachers out there. Um, As I read this, I can think of a couple people that I know that show love really well. They're really patient, really kind, really thoughtful, that kind of thing. And I remember I was put in a situation that caused me to become very frustrated. And I thought back to this person. I said, what would this person do in this situation? And I proceeded to do what I thought that this person would do in the situation. The aftermath was good. Better than if I would have acted on my own frustration. But after the the situation passed, I felt this conviction and this thought that said mimicry is not the goal. God isn't concerned with the facade that we put up or the character we show off, but the heart posture behind why we do things. And I can tell you, and this is my confession, in that moment I wasn't acting from love or the call to love my neighbor that, that Romans talks about. Even if it came across that way. I was acting out of the desire to be seen as loving that stemmed from my ego and my pride. Jesus didn't die for us to seem or act saved. He died for our deep transformation, sanctification, and purification of our thoughts and of our intentions. Following Christ is not about being a good person. Yes, it's a byproduct, but it isn't the goal. And I don't think it's wrong to have mentors or people that we look up to that have these qualities. You know, it's good to have people around you like that. And they're good starting points, but when we start to use them as a reference for our actions, 
uh, rather than Christ, we begin to idolize them. And what's even more scary about that is when and if that person falls or they do something that we don't agree with, we doubt, we start doubting the Lord because we started to look at someone that resembled him rather than him. And we tend to make idols of things, sorry, I'm going fast. We tend to make idols of things that are echoes of God. And we do that a lot with love. God is love. He is the one who first loved and in its truest form. So I watched this show, and it's called 90 Day Fiance, and it's as much of a train wreck as you think it is. And a lot of people in this show, they move from uh, their home countries in the name of love. But as I've watched this, it's all self-gratifying. It's all selfish. It's all about what the other person can do for me and how they make me feel. And we idolize that. We make decisions based on it. We center our goals around it. We watch movies and are entertained by it. And we tell God that if he doesn't give it to us, we won't be happy. And there was this time I was standing on stage. It was a rehearsal. And we were going into that song, Nothing Else, specifically the part that says, like, I haven't come for anything that you can do but for you. And I came to God singing this song. He saw my heart, and he showed me that I didn't believe that. That I didn't really love him, but I loved what he could do for me, how he could make me feel. And he brought me back to a past experience where that was a similar situation. And I stood there in tears, feeling horrible for making my God feel the way that I had felt. We have turned love selfish, when in reality it's anything but. In the last couple of verses of 1 Corinthians, it talks about how when I was a child, I acted like a child, I reasoned like a child, and then when I grew up, I put away childish things. And I think it's so interesting because in psychology, um, it says that children, as they, when they're little, they're very selfish, right? And as they grow out of that, right, by parenting, they grow out of that. And the thing is, our, the invitation is for our Heavenly Father, He wants to show us what love is. In verse 4, and I'm just going to read a part of this, but it says, Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful, is not jealous or envious. There's no way to love your neighbor and be jealous of them. Love does not brag. It is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked nor overly sensitive and easily angered. My emotions don't take precedence. It, doesn't, it does not take into account wrongs endured. It does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail, even when the truth hurts or doesn't benefit me. Love bears all things regardless of what comes, believes all things, and all that. But I want to caution really quick before continuing on, and this is going to be my last point pretty much. So the word of God is living, meaning that yes, you know, it's going to read the same, the words don't change, but the meaning and how you act on it may change. What I mean is this, by loving someone, you can love someone who has hurt you by either staying in their life and encouraging them, or it may look like walking away completely. These actions look different, but they can both show love. But let me add, though, walking away means walking away with forgiveness and without bitterness and resentment, because it's, if not, God still has work to do. The way we love from situation to situation is based on the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and godly counsel. And I want to encourage you to allow God to define it and show you what love looks like in your season, not what you want it to look like or what you think it should look like. How we love genuinely, how do we love genuinely as described as with these verses and my, my uh, version says without weakening. Those of you that have grown up in church or like kids ministry, 
Uh, you should know the answer because it's always the same answer. Because the correct answer is always what? Yeah, come on. And I'm not, I know I'm trying to be funny or whatnot, but he is the answer. He's always been the answer. He is the template we are to follow, not to mimic what he did or how he spoke, but so that his ways, his thoughts, his mannerisms are, manner, mannerisms are written, as it says in Proverbs 7, on the tablets of our hearts. It becomes who we are, not what we do. Loving people comes solely and genuinely from loving God. There is no way to love God and hate people. Loving God overflows into loving people. And I'm going to pray. Thank you. Lord. Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father God, oh, Jesus, thank you for this day, Lord. I pray that all the words that were spoken today, Lord, that they don't leave here, Lord, because your word says it never leaves void, Lord Jesus. And I thank you for what you're doing, Lord. I thank you for the understanding that you're bringing, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that throughout their week, starting now, Lord, when it comes to being more self-controlled, having faithfulness, Lord, being more loving, Lord, I pray for that tug. I pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to come, Lord Jesus. And I pray for listening ears, Lord. I pray for action, Lord. Yeah, Lord, we love you and we thank you for everything you do, Jesus.